like lady is the sweetest dog in the world but if we go hiking or anything she will not let anybody in my campsite you know podcast. It's Thursday, so it's time for another conversation. Oh, well, one thing you might not know about me is that I am an avid dog lover. Yeah, I prefer to spend my time, honestly, with my fur baby, my fur child, my amazing dog. Uh, Yeah, I prefer to spend time with her sometimes over hanging out with other humans. (laughs) And I love, I've had dogs in my life since I was a little kid, and I have learned so much not only about dogs from having a dog, but I've learned so much about myself and other humans. Once you start to understand the behavior of animals, you can start to translate that into the way that you communicate with other people. For example, when I'm really nervous or I'm really anxious and I'm, I have that kind of busy energy around me, my dog can feel it and she reacts that way too. And then When I feel like my dog has that nervous energy and she's running around and she's super excited or nervous about something, I know that if I calm my energy down, then her energy will come and match that. And that's something that we can apply when we work with kids, when we work with other humans. It's basic communication skills. And it's so incredible that we have these amazing animals in our lives that can help teach us that lesson. So today, I want to introduce to you an incredible guest who's going to, well, she's devoted her life to this same conversation that we're having today. And yeah, so my friends, get your fur babies around you, get cozy, get comfortable, because it's time for another conversation. So I don't introduce my guests. I let my guests introduce themselves. So those of you who are regulars and listening at home, you'll ask the same question with me, everyone. Who are you and what do you do? Hi guys, I'm Marcy Burke. Um, My company is called Marcy Burke Dog Training. What I do, I'm a dog behaviorist, so I'm not your typical dog trainer. So I come in when there's problems in the home, whether it be, you know, just a hyper dog that jumps on people when they come in, or I go all the way to severe uh, aggression with dogs or humans. So I come in and I teach the owners what they're doing to enable the behaviors a little bit. So I work way more with the owners than the actual dog because it's us, like you were saying, you know, they feed off of us and and our personalities. And so I come in and teach the owners what they need to do to rehabilitate their dogs. Oh, that's incredible. And how are you changing the world? You know, I I hate to see dogs go to shelters and or just be sometimes sadly dumped on the streets because of a minor behavior that could have been fixed if they just called someone to help. So that, you know, that my biggest mission is to get these dogs to stay in their forever homes and stay out of shelters and streets. Yeah. Are there sometimes that there's dogs that just don't fit with the right, like they're just not in the right family? Yeah, sometimes I have to be pretty bluntly honest with people and and just tell them that, you know, this is, you know, even though they're great people, they're not equipped to handle maybe the specific breed or the specific, if I can say that, specific uh, situations that the dog has, you know, Um, sometimes people go out and buy very um, high energy dogs and they're just not high energy people and they don't have the time and, and, everything to walk the dog and train the dog and do all that stuff so sometimes if aggression's involved then yeah then I will have to tell them that you know maybe it'd be better if it went to a different home Um, I don't like to do that I usually fix the situation but that's usually in severe cases cases. yeah absolutely so how did you get into this in the first place were there there dogs that changed your life when you were younger or something Well, yeah, so actually I grew up on a farm um, out in the country and I had a ton of cats. (laughs) So it's kind of weird that I switched into the dog thing. 
Um, I started getting interested in dogs when I was about seven, eight years old, um, begged my parents for a dog. They didn't want one. Thankfully, my dad talked my mom into it. We got a Cocker Spaniel when I was young. Um, and then when I was 18 to about 22, I started working in dog kennels. Um, you know, I just started out doing playtime stuff and then moved up a little bit. Um, I've just always been interested in dogs and dogs behaviors because I just love them so much. And um, one of the main things that got me, um, I had a dog before I knew all this stuff about dog behaviors. I had a dog that I adopted from a shelter. He was a mix and he was also deaf and he came with a lot of problems. Um, he had separation anxiety. He, um, he had a little bit of aggression towards other dogs. Um, he, he just, he was a hard to handle dog and I didn't know how to do all of these things I know now and what started happening is he started fighting with my other dog and it got really bad and I had to take him back and so that started you know that created my passion on trying because I was calling so many people trying to get advice or help on the situation and nobody had the answers um, the way I actually got into what I do now is I had a mentor I found somebody to mentor me and you know, I, I shadowed him. I worked for him for free for a while, shadowed him, um, learned everything I could. I mean, I was just like a sponge. You know, um, Caesar Milan was one of my um, favorite people to watch on TV, and he was similar to that. And so we would go into homes, and we would figure out, you know, what's going on with the dog? Is it dominant? Is it fearful? Is it a mix of both? Um, and then we would, you know, find a different approach for each dog we worked with. So. I really got into it by um, shadowing him and him being my mentor. Well, that's so cool. Let's go back to having that dog when you were a kid. What kinds of lessons did you learn? And like, what did having that dog teach you about responsibility and stuff like that? And what can dogs teach? What can dogs teach our kids when we bring them into our households because there's so many kids out there who are begging their parents for dogs especially since the world has gone in to some degree of lockdown so right. to those parents who are listening right now whose kids are bugging them what can we do to sell them on the idea <laughs> well you have to find the right temperament kind of a dog obviously but you know um what my cocker spaniel taught me was was just pure love um <clears throat> little background on me i was adopted and so I was an only child. And, you know, I, when I was little, I would beg for them to adopt another child, but that was not realistic, right? So, um, you know, then I wanted a dog. So, you know, um, I think it teaches kids responsibility, you know, as long as you stick to it. My parents didn't stick to it as much as they should have, but, um, you know, I had to take the dog on walks. I had to go clean up the poop. Um, I started learning how to be re responsible um, through that. And then I also, when I was uh, younger, I also would do dog sitting too. So, so that was fun for me. I think it's great for children to be around dogs because you just, you know, it's, it's a comfort thing and you have a friend that, you know, doesn't have to talk and just will love you unconditionally. So, um, you know, dogs and children are great as long as this is coming from my behaviorist side, as, as long as it's the right fit. Um, Sometimes I do have to work with dogs that do like bite children. So sometimes I have to step in there, but um, yeah, like, you, you know, you have to walk the dog, you have to feed the dog, you have to clean up the poo, you have to train the dog. And it's a very fun interaction when a, a child gets to train a dog. And when I'm working with families, the greatest thing is, um, you know, the first thing I usually teach is, is, is the walk. I, I teach people to walk at a heel. And it's so funny because children from the age of about, let's say eight to 12 are my best dog walkers. I mean, the adult will take over the leash and be really tense and nervous and overanalyzing it because we, you know, we're adults and we overthink things. But all I have to tell the kid is you're in charge of the dog. He's not allowed to get ahead of you. And then they just go, we're just playing follow the leader. And they just go and it's so funny to see their parents' reactions after they've been trying to watch because the kid will just be walking the dog, you know, just like a professional and the parents are still struggling. But kids are just, you know, they're sponges as well. And, and 
they have that confident energy. So that's what a dog wants to follow is that just come on, let's, we're going, you know? <laughs> so I love, I love working with kids in my session because they are, they're so honest and they tell me what I need to know and that they're so good working with the dogs and they absorb all the information. It's so funny sometimes, um, you know, I'll ask a certain question and the child has been listening and, you know, taking mental notes and, or I'll ask something about, you know, do you do this with the dog? And sometimes the children rat out the parents, which is kind of fun. <laughs> They'll tell me some behaviors that the parents were not really wanting to tell me. Um, but, or they'll say, no, mom, you know, she just said that you're not allowed to do that. And they catch them, you know, while we're working with them on things that, you know, I told them not to do or, or told them to do. Um, so it's really fun working with children. They're, they're great. <laughs> so let's segue from kids through, here's a weird segue, but from kids through danger to kids is, that's one of the the reasons they give here for breed specific legislation we have here in, in Canada or in Ontario, at least where dogs called pit bulls, quote unquote, right. are, are banned and you, you can't breed them. You can't, um, you can't own them. Well, you can own them, but only if you had them previous to, um, the legislation being put in and they're the most common dog, most common group of dogs to be euthanized in shelters because they they can't be adopted out. I personally am the hugest supporter of dogs that are put into the category of pit bull. They are, yeah. to, in my opinion, the most loving, the most loyal, the most incredible dogs when matched with the appropriate family and, and household. Matched with the right other dogs in their pack, matched with the right humans in their pack. Yeah. What do you think about like legislation that that does that and just paints this broad stroke brush about not even a specific breed, a group of dogs that they can't even put their thumb on the exact breed of. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Um, you know, uh, we have them too here in America, uh, the, the breed restrictions and everything. And the thing with dogs is <clears throat> it's just like humans, you know, our brains are all the same. Okay. And, and so when we paint, you know, when we paint a dog as you know, a pit bull is vicious and all that stuff. Yeah, there, there might have been pit bulls on the news that did this and that, but, you know, the worst cases I have when it comes to aggression are little dogs, um, honestly. Um, I don't have to work with pit bulls for aggression all that often, um, but, you know, the all dogs' brains are the same. It's just what the owners have accidentally or purposely shown affection to throughout the dog's life that turns them into what they become. So, um, you know, the breed restrictions is just, I hate it because it's, it's, it's unfair. Um, it's kind of almost like dog racism in my, my <laughs> point of view, because, you know, it, like I said, you know, all humans have the same brain, but we have different races. And so when when we're labeling a pit bull as this or german shepherds or here it's huskies german shepherds dobermans rottweilers it's just kind of because they look scary or you know and it, it's just unfair to the dog and and i have met so many great pit bulls i mean i really the the biggest thing i work with pit bulls on is hyperness <laughs> you know i do have to do some aggression things but usually it's it's not because the person um, wanted the dog to be aggressive. I see a lot of stuff on the internet that um, really bashes people that own pit bulls. Um, but when I work with families, um, they accidentally made the dog aggressive by just not knowing certain things about behaviors. So once I come in and teach them, then they can rehabilitate the dog very easily because all they have to do is change their own behaviors for the dog to change. So what kind of behavior are we doing that is uh, not being good for our dogs and teaching them the wrong kind of stuff? What, what do you see as most common mistakes that owners are making? Um, well, the very first thing is we always let our dogs lead us on walks. So dogs are pack animals, so they need to follow somebody. So the first thing I teach when I, when I do a session with families is the walk, because without the walk, you don't, you don't establish any leadership. So if the dog's leading you all already, 
then we're actually, what people don't understand is we're actually putting them in a really high stress situation because they really think they have to become the leader. So that's when dogs become very reactive. Um, I work with a lot of dogs, you know, on leash that'll bark like crazy when they see another dog, they see a bicycle, they see, you know, um, uh, just anything, a, a lawnmower, um, because out in front, they have to guard you. They feel like they have to guard you. So, but they domesticated dogs don't understand what they're supposed to be guarding you from. So everything becomes a threat. You know, I've even had a dog react to little toy remote control cars, you know? Um, so everything becomes a threat because they don't understand it. So when a dog's following you, um, unless, you know, they need to react, they're just going to calmly follow you. So that's the first thing. Um, a lot of the times um, when aggression starts happening, um, it's because a dog is what I call claiming us. So when a dog is always leaning on you or laying on your feet or always right in your bubble all the time, and this is without invitation, they just kind of plop onto you. That is them kind of saying that they own you. So, well, not kind of, they are. <laughs> they are saying they own you. So when a dog thinks they own a person, then they don't want anybody else to come near it. And yeah, so this yeah. happens with, this also happens with couches, um, furniture, beds. I have a lot of clients, husbands and wives that can't even go to bed at the same time together because the dog will get vicious and run either the wife or the husband off the bed. It's usually 50-50. So whoever, um, I don't want to say babies, but yeah, like lets the dog get away with a little bit more stuff than the other person, he'll start claiming that person. And that's when it starts getting dangerous. Um, I had a dog a little while back that jumped on the couch, got near the mom, and I just went to get the leash because we were practicing a downstay. And he, he went crazy. He went red zone on me because I got too close to his mom. So it's my, a little my dog like that. My dog previous to the one I have right now, she was a brown lab pit bull of some sort cross, um, like a large, a, a lab size Staffordshire Terrier is kind of what she looked like. Okay. Amazing dog. So loyal. We got her when she was about three months old or six months old. And we were her like fifth home because she was too rambunctious okay puppy that, that's expected I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and when we brought her in I was a younger child I was maybe eight years old um and I didn't know anything about behaviors of dogs or anything like that I just knew I loved my dog I loved my dog and I would do anything for her so here are some of the behaviors she exhibited and it's totally speaking to what you just said so she would not let me let any any guy near me even my best friend my the only guy who could come near me was my father okay so she's claiming me and I saw that as she was protecting me the younger like the baby in the family so she established herself in the hierarchy as being above me mm -hmm. oops and yeah. then that shows up when we went for walks and stuff so if I was walking with one of my parents fine no, no issues whatsoever. If I tried to walk her on my own, every so often there'd be very specific places with the, along our route where she would just stop in her tracks. She would turn to me and she would start runting. So she'd pull her ears back and she'd circle me and start kind of attacking me. Um, not viciously or anything like that, but she was definitely establishing her dominance. She didn't want to turn that direction. She wanted to go the other way. Um, and so many people would tell us like, oh, you have to, you have to send your dog back to the shelter. She's not the right dog. She's an aggressive dog. She's going to hurt your kid and stuff like that. But really it wasn't about that. It was about understanding that I, as a human, needed to establish myself as an authority in the pack. I mean, we have to start thinking like that. So I, I got my current dog um, after, after that dog passed away, sadly, um, and I think it was like a week after we got her, we're walking around the neighborhood and we see this woman walking with a pack of dogs, a pack of dogs. And it, she was the local dog walker. And she, maybe three of the dogs were on leash and the rest were free, but they stayed in a pack. They weren't running away. She didn't have to chase after them. They listened to her. If she told them to stop, they would stop. 
If she told them to sit, they would sit. And we would watch this woman in absolute amazement. Long story short, we became her best friend and my dog ended up growing up with the privilege of having this pack around her. And to see the behavior difference, yes, they're two different dogs. They had two different growing ups, um, to say the least. But to see how my dog now interacts with other dogs because she grew up with a pack of humans and dogs. Um, when, when we go for walks now, other dogs walk by, my dog doesn't even notice them. Like if, if they're friendly dogs, sure, they'll play together, but she doesn't, she doesn't bark at them. She doesn't even notice them. Yet these other dogs, yap, 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 yap. And as you said before, it's usually the little dogs. Yes. And these owners are like, it, it, they're not strangling the dogs, but near to it, just trying to yank back on that leash as much as possible. So or they're picking them up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And they're giving that dog this elevated perspective, thinking that, and now the dog, I guess, is assuming that they're higher in the hierarchy because of that. Yeah, and and uh, if I can jump in, yeah. that and what happens is my philosophy is what you're petting is what you're getting. So we forget that when we're petting a dog, that's praise to a dog. So with, with little dogs, what happens, yes, we're putting them higher up. So they're always looking down on, on other dogs. So then they, they do have that, you know, little man syndrome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um but what's happening is we're actually trying to calm them down through petting them. And what we're doing, what we're saying to the dog and the dog's mind is, oh, okay, this is the behavior I'm supposed to be displaying because I'm getting affection for it. Ah. So that's a lot of the, the stuff I have to work with too. You know, um, We're just showing affection to the wrong state of mind. So um, we as humans, you know, like fear, for example, um, you know, God bless us because we're, we're so, um, we're so loving and we want, if we see a dog in fear, we want to cuddle and do all this stuff and, and tell them it's okay. But in the dog's mind, oh, I went in fear over this situation. It could be something simple, like someone dropped a pan in the kitchen. Um, and I went into fear of this situation and my tail tucked and now my owner's rewarding me for that. So two things happen. They get scared of the loud noise and sometimes they get scared of a hand coming out. So, so then they get fearful and then once they get fearful, they get a little unpredictable because fear plus dominance becomes a very unpredictable dog. But, um, also what I was thinking back to, um, with my Cocker Spaniel that I grew up with, you know, I didn't know any of this. I was eight, nine years old, you know, and I would love to chase my dog around the dining room table. I would love to roughhouse with my dog, you know, get down on the floor, um, we didn't have a fully fenced in yard because we had a very big yard. Um, so he was on a cable tie out. Um, and when my family would come over, they would always, my dog would bark when they came in and kind of bark. And I never really thought it was a problem because I was a young kid, but all of my family was scared of my Cocker Spaniel. And, um, I just didn't understand why until I learned all this stuff. So it's a lot of the play behaviors we do with our dogs too. You know, the rough housing, when, when we get down and we start rough housing with a dog, um, it's not every dog in the world. I ha always have to say that because there are some dogs you can do this with and behaviors don't happen. You know, all dogs are different. But um, the ones I work with, what we're doing is we're, we're showing praise to biting and jumping and lunging and growling. And, um, and so then what we do with our own dogs, dogs things they can do to any human that walks in the door. So they, you know, what can happen? I, ha I had a bloodhound I worked with a couple years ago. He was one of, he was very, very aggressive. He was one of the most aggressive dogs I worked with. And he, uh, sorry, uh, he, what happened was, um, you know, the owner was rough housing. The owner had him on a cable tie out, which just causes frustration. Just like if we were stuck on a chain and couldn't greet people or, you know, go say hi or anything. Um, and he was doing some bad play behaviors and he lived in a home full of women. So he got a boy dog. So this dog was his buddy. So he was always sleeping with him. He was always claiming him. So when I walked in, this dog was a year old now, but he was ready to attack everybody that came in this house because he took over the entire house and it was coming from all these play behaviors and everything we were doing prior. Um, but the, the initial thing that happened was somebody rang the doorbell when, when the bloodhound was six months old. 
and um, they rang the doorbell, Bloodhound ran to the door, and the Bloodhound did the roughhousing behavior to the company, which is scary now because it's a bigger Bloodhound. So he's growling and, you know, kind of nipping, and it scared the owners, and it scared the guests, and so, you know, I didn't come in until he was about a year old, but it just escalated because they didn't stop all the behaviors and everything until then. So this dog was so aggressive that it took um, the wife actually had to walk it around the block um, about two and a half blocks away from the home before we could touch the leash. So, um, but then once we we took the leash and he was away from the dad and away from the home, he was the sweetheart. He was a great dog. But once you got back into that house, you know, he felt like he had to guard it just because of what we accidentally taught him. Yeah. I fell in love with a dog a few years ago. Um, I worked at a little store and, and this woman would come in uh, a couple times a day sometimes uh, with her dog because I would bring my dog to work. And at first, this dog was very, very nervous. And around most people, this dog is incredibly nervous. She prefers to hide, uh, like be tucked into bed and, and, and hide in that kind of... <laughs> she is. I've never met a dog more fearful and like not an ounce of aggression in this dog she's just scared of everyone and she's a bulldog so she's a big okay dog and it took probably three to six months of playing with my dog in the store leaving treats out just being in her space throwing balls around but never approaching her to touch her never doing any of that just giving her a space that is safe to just be okay in and just yeah. just play around in. And so I befriended this lady, clearly. Um, and one day we decided we were going to try something completely different. We were going to try a different atmosphere. And we loaded the dogs up and we took them to the beach. And just having a different atmosphere where the dog was already excited to be, that was a safe, like a safe place for the dog. They were comfortable there. And now I was being introduced as another member of the pack who's just as excited to be there as this dog was. And ever since then, the do it was like a light switch went off with the, I was now part of the pack. Do you ever work with families where certain, certain members of the family just aren't part of the pack until you come along? Yeah, yeah, I, um, mostly, <laughs> almost every session I have. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they're members of the pack, but they're, they're the followers to the dog, yeah. most of them. Um, so um, a lot of the time I get, you know, husbands and wives, like, uh, I won't just say it's only husbands and only wives, but one, one person's the disciplinarian, just like with children. Yep. And one person kind of overcompensates for that because they feel sorry. And so, yeah, I, I, um, I call them. So the dog, the person excuse me, the person that overcompensates and is always, you know, love, 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 and no discipline at all uh, is what I call the weakest link. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> so the weakest link of the family, you can tell right off the bat, because, um, you know, I take away in the beginning, I take away affection that they can get for their own bad behaviors. Like I take toys off the ground and things like that. And I tell people, don't, don't pet your dog. And then the dog will tell me right away who the weakest link is because they will just continuously try to get affection for their hyper behavior or whatever behavior they're displaying. Um, so then that's my cue to work with that person a little bit more um, because a lot of people just, you know, they see discipline as a bad thing. Um, and, you know, but when, so how I kind of explain it to the dog owners is, you know, especially if they have kids, you know, you discipline kids all the time because we want kids to grow up and be respectful adults and, and caring and loving and kind. But in the beginning, they don't know how to, you know, they don't know right from wrong. And it's the same thing with the dog. So if we're always letting the dog do whatever it wants, whenever it wants, you know, it, it's going to grow up to be a spoiled brat. And in dog cases, it turns into a grit, it comes out in different forms of aggression, fear, the, you know, so I, I have to work with the weakest link um, a lot so they can understand you don't have to be mean to your dog to be the leader. Um, a lot of people, you know, the term alpha and everything kind of hits people wrong. And it, it's not that you have to yell and scream and hit your dog. Of course, don't hit your dog. Um, 
but you just have to show authority, you know, and it doesn't have to be in a mean way. I say you don't have to be mean, but you need to mean it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I love working with um, parents because, you know, like, you know, sometimes kids will get under your skin. Can I have this candy bar? Can I have that? No. Can I have this candy bar? Can I have this candy? And then you finally go, no, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, if you just said it and meant it the first time, then the dog picks up on that a lot better with, and it's all about calm energy. You know, if you're trying to work with a dog and you're frustrated and angry, it, frustration and anger in their mind is just weakness because they don't really have that in the wild. You know, it is what it is in the wild. They're either allowed to do it or they're not. And they get that through, you know, getting a bite from the pack leader. Um, so, you know, it's just a balance between love and discipline. So where we kind of go wrong is we just, we just, well, love's up here and the balance or the discipline's way down here, you know. Or we wait until we're really angry and frustrated and then we yell and scream at the dog and the dog has no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> so when we talk about matching the right breed to the right family situation, let's go into some situations and what your recommendations would be for specific breeds to at least start the conversation with. So what about the family that lives in the condo? They don't have a lot of space. They don't have a lot of outdoor space for the dog to run around. Um, and there might not be off-leash parks, but they do. They can still walk around the city. What kind of dog do you think would be a good fit for, for that family? Like a condo, um, you know, you would want a, a lower energy type of dog. And it's hard to say on dog breeds because, you know, you can have... Um, the way I actually got Lady was from the breeder. I trained the breeder's dog and, and Newfoundlands are known for their calm temperament and everything, but the breeder's dog was a nutball. She would jump all over children. She would run the house. Um, so they ended up um, gifting me Lady. Um, but, you know, it, it's not so much the breed, but it's, it's whether you have time to exercise, I guess. So exercise is always the key with any breed. So, um, I mean, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, you have a Newfoundland in an apartment. Yeah, but I exercise her completely, you know, I exercise her, she swims, she hikes with me, I walk her every day, you know, so she doesn't need a big yard and all that stuff, because I, I give that for her with walks and, and everything. So um, it's basically um, more of a time thing with people. Um, is my, my kind of thing. And also I bring in treadmills. So people that don't have a lot of time, I treadmill train the dog. So, you know, you don't have to, it, it's not so much the breed, it's, it's the commitment to the dog. Um, because people with um, big backyards and everything, those are the kind of people that I'm sorry, guys, but you get lazy. You know, you say, well, I go in and I say, well, how often do you walk your dog? And they go, oh, not very much, but it's got a really big backyard. Well, the big backyard's not teaching them anything. And especially since all this COVID stuff has happened and lockdown, um, you know, now we are understanding seeing the house and the backyard and the house and the backyard, you know. Um, so that's what dogs are used to always seeing. And then we're wondering why they're they're having all these behavioral issues. And it's because all they ever see is the house and the backyard and the house and the backyard. They never get to go on walks. They never get fully exercised, you know. So, um, you know, it's just, I'm not a big, like, tell you what breed to get kind of person. Um, I do kind of steer people away sometimes from the, um, let's say, like, German shepherds um, that come from, you know, a, a, like, um, some people will go out and get, like, a military line, bloodline German shepherd or... Sometimes they'll just find them on Craigslist or something like that. And then they have no backyard and they don't want to walk them ever. And then we really have problems. So if you get this super high energy working dog or, you know, Australian shepherds, border collies, and then you just sit them in the house all day long and you don't work the mind is the key. Um, you know, then, then all these behavioral issues happen. If that oh, answers the question. Totally. <laughs> One of my favorite breeds of dogs uh, is the Leon Burger. So they're like a very huge dog, yeah. big furry dog. And I fell in love with them because uh, my best friend's mom is a breeder of them. Uh, and so at first I was looking at these dogs and I'm like, these are huge dogs. They look like 
bears. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Like they, they're the size of a bear cub. So I can see how people could be really apprehensive as they see this dog walking down the street. But then I was talking to her mom about like, tell me about the temperament of these dogs. Like what, you know, these dogs better than anyone I could ever meet. So tell me more about these dogs. What kind of homes do they go to? She's very specific about who, like what kind of household this dog is, is for, because that's a dog of a certain size that you can't have in an apartment. Um, Unless you, as you were mentioning, unless you have that strict regimen of bringing it out, exercising it, and focusing on your dog's physical health and mental health in that way. And she was telling me they're known as the nanny dogs because they have most incredible temperament with children. I was like, what do you mean? Like, paint this picture for me. And she's telling me about how when she, when my friend was growing up as a small, small child, she had all these Leon burgers around and she would hang on their fur and ride them like a, like a horse. Of course, she was a, a small child. She wasn't breaking their back or anything, but these dogs were totally okay with that. And that they just wanted to be around their people. And that's, that's what they loved. And she yeah. said, on the other hand, there are some people, as you mentioned, who breed working dogs or dogs who are bred specifically for their temperament to be protectors or to uh, like border collies who are bred specifically for their intellect. They, they are there. They are, I think border collies are the smartest dogs out there. They are. And it was so neat to learn how certain dogs, yes, their breeds unto themselves have certain temperaments. Um, but also when you're breeding certain dogs, you're breeding for specific temperaments from those like specific characteristics. I thought that was so interesting. And now when I look around, I see all these German shepherds in condos and they, they look aggressive and their owners can't handle them. Actually around here, we have a few years ago, we got this huge influx of huskies. I was like, I don't understand why is like, I'd say 15 or 30 in my area just popped up over the course of maybe six months. So I started chatting to someone about it. Game of Thrones. Yep. That was their inspiration. That's why they chose that breed. So I'm asking them like, oh, okay, well here in Canada, Huskies have a long history as working dogs up north as sled dogs. They love to run, 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 run. And these dogs are going for like 15 minute walks around the block. Exactly. And wondering why their dog is jumping all over the place and has so much energy. Yeah. It's it's not the right fit. Yeah. It's funny you brought that up. I just worked with a, um, it was a Husky mix. Um, I think it was a rescue and I think somebody was trying to make a wolf hybrid because of Game of Thrones. So everybody was trying to do the dire wolf thing. Um, and I forget which actor it was, but, you know, thank, thankfully he came on and, and, and tried to tell people to stop doing this because, but anyway, um, I got called in because of severe separation anxiety, a beautiful white, blue-eyed, um, mostly husky, but it, I think somebody was trying to make a wolf hybrid, but um, had a very bad separation anxiety and it was eaten through walls and and she did exercise him, but, you know, I had to tweak a couple things, you know, because he was such a they're such working dogs. So, um, she did not have a treadmill when I first came. And, um, so what I did is I taught the dog to ride on the bicycle with her and she lived in a very hilly neighborhood. So it was great. So the dog could run. Um, and I said, you know, you can, it's not ideal to let the dog pull on, um, you know, a bike, but you could get it into something like urban mushing. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that's a great thing. I actually helped an owner um, teach their dog. <laughs> they had, she had two Huskies that just wouldn't pull the <laughs> pull the sled. So we had to teach the them to pull the sled. But, um, but you know, there's a lot of different things. But so, yeah, with this, this white Husky, um, uh, he was eating through drywall. He was breaking out of every crate and damaging himself. Um, and so, you know, the first step was I got him to ride alongside the bicycles, just an improv on no treadmill. And then, um, uh, on Friday last week, I went and I treadmill trained him. So he's going to be treadmilled twice a day for an hour each time, um, <clears throat> to wear out the mind. So what we, what we need to focus on more than just physical exercise is mental exercise for dogs. 
because it takes a very long time to wear a dog out physically. I mean, dogs are still 99.9% .9 wolf. And so, I mean, this is anything from a chihuahua to a, a, a husky. So, um, you know, wolves are used to traveling about 28 miles per day. You know, they rest and everything, but to wear a dog out physically is very, very hard. You know, I, I went on a hiking trip a couple years ago with a friend of mine and he had a two-year-old uh, lab mix. She was a little smaller. Um, it took her three days wearing a dog backpack, carrying her own food before she even got tired physically. So wearing out the mind is the key to everything. Um, once you wear out the mind, then they can just relax. Because humans, we can talk things out. You know, if we have problems, we can talk about it. We can yell, we can scream, we can do this and that. But the only way a dog can start releasing that is sometimes through aggression or just poor behaviors, like, you know, just being hyper and jumping all over people and jumping all over the furniture and things like that, because they're trying to get that energy out and they don't know how. So when, when I do treadmill training, you know, the treadmill works the mind because they have to focus the whole time. So the treadmill, everybody thinks it's for physical energy. It's for mental. So they have to get on a treadmill and they have to think about the moving floor, just like we would. And they have to think about running a straight line. And I don't do a full run. I just do a jog. But, um, you know, they have because dogs zigzag when they run. If you've seen them in the backyard, um, if they, they look left, they go left. They look right. They go right. So on a treadmill, they have to get very focused and, and learn how to run that straight line. And it's just a, it's just like when we work out, you know, the, that feeling you get afterwards where you're just, ah, oh. so they get that relaxation. So then I brought the crate back in and now he, now he is so funny. I was, uh, I worked with him. It's been about a week or so. And, you know, uh, he's now every time he comes inside, he runs right into his crate. He loves his crate so much. So, you know, you just had to get that mental down, get that anxiety out. You know, treadmills can do so much for dogs. Um, it can get rid of aggression. It can get rid of dog, uh, dog on dog aggression. It can get rid of separation anxiety, just hyper behaviors, fear, you name it. It can, it can do a lot for a dog because it works the mind. Are we talking like dog-sized treadmill or human-sized treadmill here? I usually just use human treadmills. I mean, you can get a dog treadmill. They're just a little overpriced and the belt's not as good um, on a lot of them. I don't want to knock it too much, but they're, you know, you can, I just tell my clients, you know, just get, you know, on Facebook Marketplace or, you know, um, an app, you know, if you have a neighborhood app and see who has a treadmill because a lot of, you know, humans we we buy a treadmill we use it for about a year or two and then it just sits there so laundry yeah yeah it becomes the you know clothes rack and um, I've had to take clothes off of a lot of treadmills and pull them out of you know the the spare room a lot of the time just to okay let's bring it out and um but so some people you know will will sell you a treadmill very cheap you know so it's it's in my opinion it's easier to get a used tread human treadmill than it is to go out and buy a fancy dog treadmill. And I don't, I don't know, this is my preference. I like human treadmills because they're easier to work with. Um, and the humans can use them too. Yeah, and then, yeah, the human can, I, I have a lot of clients that like to do their exercise bikes and work out next to, or if they have more than one treadmill or treadmill in their home, then they can work out while the dog works out. And it's just, it's so awesome to see, they send me videos of them on their bike and the dogs running the treadmill next to them. And it's so awesome. And it creates a bond, you know, yeah. it creates a deeper bond too. That is so cool. Like I've seen videos of dogs on treadmills, but I thought it was just a, like a funny video kind of thing. Right. Understanding the psychology behind it is so mind blowing to me. This is really neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just, dogs just need a way to vent. I mean, like I said, humans, we can do all kinds of things. We have all kinds of distractions like television. We can go out with our friends. But like I said, most dogs just see the house in the backyard. So and I think a lot of owners also just rely on like rewarding their dogs through cookies. And yeah. that's not necessarily the best for their health either. So understanding that there are different ways to still like praise your dog and enforce those good behaviors that does doesn't necessarily need to be lots and lots of cookies all the time yeah so like I don't really use treats that much um I, I I talk to owners you know if you're starting to train a dog um it's totally fine to do treats 
But once the dog learns the behavior, you don't have to keep giving him treats because he sat down. You know, you don't have to keep giving him treats because he laid down. Because the more you do that, they only respect the food in your hand. So they'll only do it if you have food in your hand or if you try to fake them out. Um, and then they're back up doing whatever they want. So I, you know, you can start with treats, but at some point you got to lose the treats. So they respect you. And because you said sit, they will sit, you know, um, I'm, you know, I don't use it too much because I use physical affection as my reward, you know, um, really the only time, unless I'm doing like some puppy stuff. Um, the only time I really use treats when I work with my clients is if the dog is running the treadmill, we always give them something awesome for doing it. And once they finish, they get something just awesome, you know, ham or, you know, something great. Um, or when they go in their crates, otherwise, you know, lady, my dog, I didn't use treats, even training her as a puppy. I just put her in a sit position and I'd say, good sit, good sit, good sit. And then it was all just word association. So, um, you know, she never, other than the crate. If I touched that treat bag, she'd run right to the crate because that was really the only time I needed to give her a treat. And um, otherwise, you know, affection also is exercising them. You know, we go out hiking. That's her favorite thing to do is hiking and swimming. And so if she can do that, she doesn't care about toys and all that stuff. She, she just, she wants to be a dog. And so we as humans, we humanize too much to the dog and we think they need 9 million toys and all that stuff. <laughs> Um, so I come in and I don't even know the difference between the child's toy versus the dog's toy anymore, you know, because <laughs> there's so many toys, but you know, usually the more toys the dog has, the worse their behaviors end up getting in the house too, because toys people don't understand are a form of affection to a dog too. So, you know, a dog could be barking out the window and you could discipline it. And if they grab that toy afterwards, your discipline just went right out the window because they got their own affection. So um, I'm not against toys. I'm just, you know, my dog just, I'm, I'm basic with things because people um, complicate things too much a little bit. You know, uh, we have, we think we have to bring in all this stuff. You know, lady is perfectly, my dog lady is perfectly happy chewing on a stick out in the woods. She's got chew bones for the home and she just likes ball, you know, yep. and yeah. that's about it, you know, like, and then otherwise we go swimming, we go hiking, we do things camping, we do things that, that bond us together and the dog just really wants to be with you and make you happy. You know, it's not all about the, the, the fancy toys and all that stuff. Yeah. My dog is happiest when she has a ball and yeah. uh, she becomes actually ball obsessed. We call it. So she'll be perfectly fine. She is the most well-tempered dog I've ever met. But once you start throwing that ball, she is so focused on it. And it gets to the point where she will actually bark at me while she still has the ball in her mouth. So she's barking as her sign to say, okay, it's time to throw it. But she's so excited she still has it in her mouth. So what we're doing, I hope maybe we're doing the right thing or you can correct me. Yeah. Um, we just stop. We, we turn around and we start walking home. Um, and, and that's it. If she's going to act like that, then, that, then she's done and we walk home. Should That's we perfect. be doing that or in the moment, is that too complex of a thought? Should we be addressing the behavior right there in the moment? I think if she's that worked up in the moment, you're just going to get yourself frustrated. Yeah. So I think what you're doing is perfectly fine walking away. You got to stop giving into the behaviors. Um, so the more we try to no drop it, you know, all that stuff, uh, we start getting frustrated and then you know, like I was saying earlier, frustration's weakness to a dog. So they feel like they ha have to amp up their dominance because we get weak emotionally. Um, so I think what you're doing is perfect. I would just stop playing the game with her. Good job. <laughs> we've also wondered when she starts barking and then we start, no, no, no. It sounds to her like we're barking at her. Well, when you do that with a human, human's reaction is to raise their voice and just to keep that escalation going is that exactly. the same thing that's going on in a dog's head yeah you're basically just barking with them yeah so yeah you're you're getting frustrated they're in an amped up level you get in an amped up level and then you're both just ah you know and it just becomes chaos so the best thing to do is like what you said is just stop you know take a deep breath and just walk away walk away from the situation um, I guess it's also like showing that you're in control of that situation. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, that you're not. Because so dogs are master manipulators. So what we what they 
<laughs> what happens is what they see um, that we think is cute when they're puppies, they learn. I mean, um, just like the puppy dog eye thing is real. They know how to manipulate through that cute little face. Um, and sometimes they know if they bark at you long enough, you're going to do it. Um, they, you know, they pick up on these little cues from us because we don't even realize we're doing it. And, um, so when they pick that stuff up, they, they start manipulating us. And so they, they know if they get us frustrated that we're going to cave and then we're, we're going to let them do whatever they want to do or, you know, at the situation. So it's all about just keeping a calm temperament and not giving in to the bad behaviors or or loving on the bad behaviors like calm down stop barking at me stuff you know because that's just going to keep them going absolutely i i am absolutely going to work on that when my dog sits at the window and someone walks by she bark bark barks and i go we have two different strategies we either yell at her from the other side of the house to stop barking or we go up and we i sit next to her and i go we don't need to bark right now i rationalize with my dog in english as if she speaks English, but I'm going to not, I'm not going to pet her. I'm just going to show up and say, thank you for showing me. Now let's go. Let's do something else. Right. Yeah. So the barking thing's kind of a gray area because we want our dogs to bark. You know, dogs are a great deterrent. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't like to shut down barking, but what, what's going on with the dog is they're calling you to see what's going on. So in the beginning, you know, um, what I teach owners is you need to go check what they're barking at because they're not barking at nothing, even though we know it's the car door that shut from the neighbor's house or whatever. They don't know that. So they're, they're alerting us. So they, the dog needs to understand that you're going to go check the situation and then you see it's fine. And then you tell them to go away from the fence or window or whatever it is. So in a sense, you're, you're relaxing them because, um, you know, you've gone and you've checked the situation, you're calm, and then you tell them, hey, you don't have to guard this anymore. You can just go lay down. Yeah. And then they can just chill. eases their fear. And, and like you were saying with walking, if they're in that mindset that they have to be the protector, and that that's anxiety inducing. So if yeah. you show up at the window and they're barking or whatever, and you say, okay, I checked it out. We're good to go. Thank you for letting us know. Now let's go watch some more TV. Exactly. Yeah. And, and with walking, I understand clients because I did it in the past, you know, um, like the retractable leashes. I don't know if you have them in Canada, but I hate them. Um, (laughs) but I, I did it in the past, you know, we want our dogs to have freedom in the walk and we want them to explore and sniff and everything, but you know, it's just causing more anxiety because all they're doing is they're sniffing for other animals, urine, Mm -hmm. and then they're marking over it. And so they're claiming the neighborhood too. So that gives them more of a right to bark at everything. People, joggers, poor joggers get it the worst. Joggers and mailmen get it the worst. I feel so bad for them. But, you know, um, you know, what we're doing is we're telling them they have to control this area of land, wherever, however far they walk their dog. And then it just turns into a nightmare because the dog is like, you know, stressed the whole time, always on alert. The ears are always forward. They're always looking for something to bark at. And, you know, we as humans wouldn't want to live like that, always come out and, you know, wonder what's coming around the corner and wonder what's doing this. And, and so if you are going to think of it as a human, think of it as yourself always having to be on guard 24 hours a day. You know, we don't want that for our dogs. We want our dogs to just be lax and, you know, be calm and chill. That, that's when they're the happiest is when they know you're, you're the leader, you're going to take care of it. So when they start following you, you know, they will protect you still but they will only, they will protect you for the right reasons. So if there is a strange person walking your way with bad energy, dogs will pick up on that negative energy. And if they growl at that situation, that's when I tell people trust your dog, but not until you get the walk down. Like lady is the sweetest dog in the world. But if we go hiking or anything, she will not let anybody in my campsite, you know? And, um, there, there was a guy that moved into my neighborhood, um, this is a couple years ago, and he was very weird, and um, I don't mean to sound bad, but he, he was very weird. He was kind of annoying. He'd come and talk to me, and, and, and just it was he always gave me a different name, and my neighbor started complaining about him a lot, and she said I should report him, and I felt a little guilty at first because I was like, I don't know what to report him about, just kind of being annoying, right? Well, I took Lady out to potty one day, and he, he, you know, he kind of gave me a nervous feeling, but he was more annoying. 
And um, he, he came towards me and she lost her mind and I've never seen her growl or do anything towards a human. Um, and she started growling and barking at him. And then he stupidly stepped in a little further and then she really lost it and she would not let that energy come in. And so I found out, you know, he had, um, I did report him the next day because of how my dog reacted because she never reacts like that. Um, so I went and reported him and found out that he had a mental illness. He was, um, not supposed to be living there. He was using the place as a drug run. Um, and he just had gotten out of jail. So, you know, lady picked, I I didn't pick up on that lady picked up on that negative energy that he was coming at me with. So that was, that's one of my favorite stories to tell because even I behind the leash was like, lady, what are you doing? You know? And she knew, she knew that he had something going on and it wasn't appropriate. And when I, when I reported him, I found out that they just needed one more report to get him booted out of the neighborhood because there'd been so many complaints about his behavior because he would just wander at night and it was pretty sketchy way to go yeah lady's pretty awesome i mean we i can go camp anywhere and you know when we talk about leadership too i like to bring up the story of um you know i do a lot of backpacking and and we go and we camp you know and i you know cook for my tent and everything i carry everything with me and um you know, one of the first times I was out there doing it all myself, I was a little scared to be in the woods at night by myself in this hollow. And, you know, when, when you become a dog's true leader, the trust goes both ways. Okay. So what happened was, you know, I set up my, my tent and everything, and I was going to bed and I heard a creepy woods noise, you know, like a crack of a branch is probably, you know, another animal and lady got up and she circled the tent and she started barking and she scared off whatever it was. And then she lay and she always lays with me off leash. And, um, and then, uh, so then in the morning, which I didn't know it was morning cause I was still sleeping, but basically right at dawn lady tried to keep pushing herself in the tent. And I was like, this is weird. You've never done this before. Cause she sleeps outside to guard. And um, I was like, why are you trying to get in the tent? And she almost knocked my tent over. She was so adamant about it. And so as I'm waking up, I hear all these yips. So coyotes had us surrounded on the hill. So she protected me and then I had to get out and protect her. So I let her go in my tent and I scared off the coyotes, thankfully. And, um, you know, so it's a two way street. So I'm going to, she knows that I'm always going to protect her and she's always going to protect me. So when you become the true leader, you get that real deep bond and and it's a very precious thing to have. I mean, it's great, you know, cause I've had dogs that have owned me before, you know, I knew all this stuff and it's, you know, you still love your dog, but you know, once you really become the leader, you see these cool qualities come out to where it's just like, yeah, you know, you had my back there, you know, (laughs) and vice versa. So. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, it's time that we have to wrap this up. So if people are interested in learning more about how you can help them with their dogs, with their packs and all of that, help learn, help other humans learn to be better with your dogs, not just teaching our dogs to be better dogs with our humans. How can people get into your world? So you can go to MarcyBurkDogTraining.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I have a little Facebook page, Marcy Burke Dog Training. Um, and I'm also on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I'm on. <laughs> um, or you can email me at MarcyBurkDogTraining at Gmail. Amazing. And, so oh, I'm going to put all of my- those links down in the description box. Um, So if you're listening to the podcast, it'll be in the show notes. If you're watching in video format, it'll be down below in the, uh, in the description. So before we sign off, do you have any last words for people? Um, You know, if, if you have behavioral problems, please reach out to a trainer, you know, Um, it doesn't have to be me just, you know, give your dog a chance before we send them away because I, you know, shelters get full rescues get full and and your dog deserves as many chances as it takes to to help the behaviors you know dogs will always be there for us so we should start learning their behaviors too or their language too oh i absolutely love that and i support that a thousand percent my friends 
So thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Thank you for having me. And those of you listening at home, this has been yet another lifelong conversation. It's been absolutely wonderful having you guys spend this part of your day with us listening in on this, I think, really insightful conversation we just had. So as usual, my friends, it's time for me to sign off. But before I do, remember, be excellent to each other. I'll see you next time.